When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The Republican voters of Missouri have spoken. When they count the votes, we are going to win this, and there's no path to victory for our opponents. Don't let her get you down. Remember, talk is cheap. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top name. The people of Kansas send an unmistakable message. I mean, this is a big deal for women who can't afford to have abortion. I've never seen so many veterans with tears in their eyes and tears in their eyes of joy. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Senator Kirsten Cinema breaks her silence on the Democrats' climate and tax bill. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with a big development that could mean the end of the carried interest tax break. We'll have the latest from Capitol Hill and Bloomberg's Eric Wasson Breaking news tonight. Kansas stuns the pundits with a vote on abortion while primaries are held in five states. A good night for Donald Trump in Arizona and a win for Eric in Missouri. We'll even say his last name with Jessica Taylor of the Cook Political Report. Our panel today, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, along with Republican strategist Chapin Fay, former press secretary for Governor George Pataki. They're with us for the hour for analysis. And we start the headline crossed the terminal a short time ago. Cinema seeks to retain private equity break curb corporate tax. Yes, the the senator from Arizona wants some changes, according to sources familiar with discussions, speaking with Bloomberg News. Now, despite what Senator Joe Manchin indicated over the weekend, where he swept the Sunday morning talk shows and was repeatedly asked about whether Kirsten Cinema was involved. She has an awful lot in this piece of legislation, the way it's been designed, as far as the reduction of Medicare, letting Medicare go ahead and negotiate for lower drug prices. She's very involved in that. Well... That was Manchin on ABC this week, helping to break the news for Bloomberg is Congress reporter Eric Wasson. He's with us right now. Great reporting here, Eric. I suppose it should be no surprise that Cinema's specifically looking at carried interest in corporate taxes. These are the two things that uh, there was some concern about. Now that she's finally spoken, what changes does she want? Well, just to clarify, she's not spoken publicly, but she has talked to other members of the Senate and and people around town and who are lobbying her. And right mm-hmm. now she's looking to narrow the corporate uh, minimum tax. This is a $313 billion 
uh, you know, uh, tax uh, minimum on companies that make more than $1 billion in reven- uh, uh, revenue. And uh, there's some talk of uh, sort of exempting uh, tax breaks for manufacturers on depreciation and cost recovery. These are two benefits, especially enhanced by the Trump tax uh, cuts. Uh, that would reduce the value of the, that uh, revenue by about $100 billion. So uh, there's some talk of that. And then getting rid of the carried interest uh, provision, which really only raises $13 billion, might be an easier lift for her caucus. But mm-hmm. all, all this is going to cause uh, problems for, for other members in, in the caucus, and it could delay uh, you know, resolution of this, uh, which Democrats hope to pass this week. I thought we were going to be talking about the CBO uh, score today, uh, saying that the deal cuts the deficit. Uh, by just about as much as had been billed. But now these changes kind of blow out that number, right? Well, they could, yes. So CBO uh, came out and officially said $102 billion in deficit reduction mm-hmm. over 10 years. But when you factor in IRS, they're going to give the IRS $80 billion to hire more tax auditors. There's an informal estimate that that would cause uh, $204 billion more in revenue. Uh, CBO does endorse that number, but they don't include it in their deficit figure. So you I add see. them together, you get about $300 billion. And that's what Manchin and Schumer have been advertising. So no big surprise there. That landmine was diffused for these guys, but yeah, the right. minimum remains a live problem. That's a real uh, problem. So are these deal breakers, or, or is there negotiating room on, on the items you mentioned? I think there's negotiating room. I think for, for many members of the caucus, the climate spending and the drug price provisions are the most important. Uh, you know, if they can do some changes on the tax side and, and, and diffuse for cinema, uh, this, these attacks that you're raising, uh, you know, taxes in a harmful way during a recession, yeah. uh, that could probably get over the line. And we don't know if the parliamentarian will keep, for instance, the drug uh, prescription drug pricing component in the bill. Right. We're still waiting uh, for the birdbath to finish. Yes, there are aspects of that. I think my judgment is, having watched this for a long period of time, that the changes to Medicare, allowing Medicare to negotiate and capping uh, seniors out of pocket, that directly relates to the Medicare program, so that affects the government budget. I think those stay in. There is something that interferes with the private market. Uh, inflation rebates, it sort of penalizes drug companies with an excise tax if they raise prices higher than inflation. That might not be seen as directly tied to the government budget and kicked out. Uh, we might also see this sort of cap on uh, insulin uh, prices, uh, you know, in private insurance. Uh, that just is being added in now, uh, basically at the request of Raphael Warnock, who hmm. is the uh, vulnerable uh, Georgia senator who authored that provision. But yeah. most experts I talk to say that's not going to be allowed in. Boy, a lot to talk about here. And Eric, we do thank you for joining us on a busy night. He shares the byline on the story, Kirsten Cinema, through sources. Bloomberg reporting that we may have some changes in store. We're going to get back to this story a bit later in the hour with Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick, who's going to take a look at some of the other items, this one and others Democrats are trying to balance before they head home for August. Some big stories to cover. Thanks for joining us on the fastest hour in politics. We didn't know we'd be starting with breaking news from the Senate, certainly following a newsy night. And big news, not only on the primary trail, but from Kansas, the resounding rejection, as I read on the terminal of an effort to allow new restrictions on abortion access. The president weighed in today. The voters of Kansas sent a powerful signal that this fall, the American people will vote to preserve and protect the right and refuse to let them be ripped away by politicians. Speaking remotely to an unrelated event, remembering he's in isolation with COVID, this referendum In red, Kansas, the first abortion-related ballot measure this year. It's the first time voters have had a chance to weigh in since 
the Supreme Court ruling. Remembering here, as we've learned over the course of the day, 26% of registered voters Democratic, 44% Republican. There was a weeks-long effort. And by the way, this was a surprise, a weeks-long effort to try to make this happen by pro-choice activists knocking on doors, writing cards, and it's made a lot of people wonder, and with such strong turnout, exactly what the signals are here. That's where we begin with Jessica Taylor. Glad to say she's with us on this day after primary night, Senate and Governor's Editor for the Cook Political Report. Pretty big deal here, Jessica. Uh, is it possible, I'm seeing a lot of headlines that call this a bellwether, is it possible to extrapolate what this could mean for the midterms? Well, I think it's one data point that we have right now. And it's a big data point for sure, because Mm -hmm. this was the first electoral test after the Dobbs decision repealed Roe v. Wade and sent it back to the states. And Kansas is a red state. Now, it has a bit of a libertarian bent as well, which I think is what we are we are seeing here as well. But uh, then just the resounding way that it voted mm-hmm. showed that uh, there are many states elsewhere where I think if you put this to a yes or no vote that you would see a similar outcome. However, there, it's, there are there are going to be referendums on some ballots um, in the general election this November in states. But when you're dealing with candidates and where they stand, yes. you have to balance a lot of different issues. And you you can't just say, I w- I'm going to vote for this, for abortion, yes or no, because you have to vote for that via the candidate. Mm-hmm. I think it can matter more in governor's races. And Laura Kelly is an incredibly endangered incumbent there yeah. in, in Kansas, the Democratic yeah. governor. I think this could bode well for her, certainly, um, and w- where it's probably going to be one of the closest races. But again... Where does it rank? Where does abortion rank overall? Because remember, this is just on one issue and we are seeing so much of the economy, um, inflation, fears of a recession driving Mm -hmm. the election. This is really important uh, as people try to connect the dots here. Uh, Certainly what we saw in Kansas, as I mentioned, followed a concerted effort. But should this be, uh, frankly, uh, a strategy for the Republican Party to get this off the electoral plate. Let's get it on to balance in states all over the country. So you're not you're not weighing down a campaign with that issue. You're putting it up there as a single issue decision, as you're describing. I mean, each state's going to make their own decision. And some of the swing states this year, it is more of a moot point. For instance, in Nevada, where you have um, a toss-up governor's race, a toss-up Senate race that is could be instrumental in deciding the majority. Um, where it's already been legal and is uh, enshrined in the Constitution there in Nevada. So that takes some of the pressure off Republicans. But then I, I think what it also tells us is that you have so many of these candidates that are winning Republican primaries. It used to be sort of that UK Republicans were anti-abortion largely, but they supported exceptions. And candidates in the, in the past did not support those exceptions. We saw that particularly in the 2012 elections with mm-hmm. Todd Aiken in Missouri mm-hmm. and Richard Murdoch in Indiana and Senate races that were very winnable for Republicans that they lost because of comments they made about rape and abortion. And really the commonality that I'm seeing among some of these Republicans, particularly Senate and governor, Senate candidates especially, is that there is no exceptions. And perhaps life of the mother but that's about it. Um, and so how much of this out of step, because this isn't just, you know, I think there is America is sort of in the middle on this. They don't want unrestricted abortion. This right. is what Republicans are arguing. The Democrats want. But you know, they it took a lot want... of Republicans to make that happen last night, though. Did exactly. it not? But you see that exactly. as an outlier. 
I, I'm not sure if it's an outlier. I think we need more data. And okay. I think the polling, what we will see, because this, again, voting gives us concrete data, certainly. And we have seen polling where this is, you know, where people want to still support um, want abortion access. But mm-hmm. again, it's not just a clean up or down vote come November. We have a lot to learn still on this as we spend time with Jessica Taylor of the Cook Political Report here on Bloomberg Sound On. And well, of course, it was uh, it was an important day on the campaign trail across the board. Let's get into some of it. When they count the votes, we are going to win this and there's no path to victory for our opponent. That's Carrie Lake endorsed by Donald Trump in the Republican gubernatorial primary in Arizona, claiming victory last night, even though the race had not been called victory over uh, the Mike Pence-endorsed Karen Taylor Robson. She started making vague accusations about voter fraud before... (laughs) even before the first vote was counted. But don't let her get you down. Remember, talk is cheap. (laughs) It's... Start in Arizona only because we'll go, I guess, alphabetical here. Jessica, uh, how do you see this one turning out? Carrie Lake obviously is taking uh, some advice from Donald Trump on how to take credit for things. Right. Well, she is the Trump endorsed candidate. She is an election conspiracy theorist. Um, She's a former TV news anchor there in Phoenix. She's well known. but She's undergone just sort of a radical transformation into complete Trump acolyte there. And uh, and she is a riskier general election candidate. She is leading. This race has not been called. But, um, you know, as, as her opponent noted there, too, she was claiming fraud even before. And then now there's no fraud. So um, it's this is, you know, <laughs> something that we see other candidates doing is only fraud. And if I lose, you know, so, so. is this good for Donald Trump that it hasn't, it hasn't been, called been called yet? yet? And I ask and I because, because um, Mike Pence's uh, chosen candidate seems to be performing just about as well. Um, my understanding is probably the outstanding ballots are probably going to favor Lake, but we will yeah. see what the final totals come in. You can never really tell. Sure. But, um, it, it, I mean, it's good for Trump that his candidate won. He's going to tout that, certainly. But it could still lose them a seat in November. Sort of Trump mm-hmm. looks at he looks at the trees and not at the forest because he <laughs> wants to endorse candidates that are sure. going to be loyal to him, that parrot his election lies and those are not necessarily the best general election candidates i mean he has already cost republicans two seats to two governor's races in massachusetts and maryland by backing uh far-right candidates that cannot win in those blue states and one place in um in massachusetts forcing a moderate governor to uh retire instead of run again and arizona Hmm. doug ducey there who backed rob robeson is yeah. the RGA chairman. He knows how important this race is. Right, yeah. You think Charlie Baker would have run again if it weren't for Trump? Um, a lot of Republicans I've talked to think that he would have, but wow. ultimately, you know, because he, he very well could have lost in a primary because a lot of his support comes from independents and Democrats in the state yeah. versus the Republican yeah. base like is one far of the more most conservative. Popular governors in the country though, right? Yeah. Uh, or so we hear. Uh, Blake, tell me about Blake Masters uh, on the Senate primary. Is Senator Kelly in trouble? This is the Trump endorsed candidate who's now the Republican nominee. I mean, Senator Kelly has been in trouble because of the environment right. and the fact that he is running in a state that uh, Biden only won by three tenths of the vote. Now that he's now got an outcomes. opponent, though, what is what do you what does this actual matchup tell you? Uh, I mean, Masters is the weakest of the possible candidates that could have won. 
Um, he has a lot of controversial writings that Democrats have already honed in on, saying favorable things about quoting Nazis and the Unabomber. And he's talked about uh, abolishing Social Security. They will definitely play that in retiree-heavy um, Arizona. Um, he has, He's another Peter Thiel candidate, uh, the billionaire venture capitalist that's also backed J.D. Vance in Ohio. Yeah. And I, I think this is a race that I've heard a lot of worry from Republicans in the past week or so about Masters versus Kelly, who huh. Kelly is popular. He's a former astronaut. There's probably no better thing you can be in politics than an astronaut because everybody loves astronauts. Um, he's running ahead of Biden again and ahead of Biden's favorability. So, so this could be a real race. A lot of people had kind of written him off. This was it's supposed to be one of the, the seats that Republicans could flip, right? No, it's it's a race. It's still going to be a race. But I think Masters was the weaker of the candidates, really, because yeah. there is just a treasure trove of, of you know, opposition research on him that's going to come out. Lastly, I'll ask you, Jessica, about the uh, the impeachers, as Donald Trump likes to call them, three House Republicans uh, on uh, primary ballots last night. I realize we have two that I believe are, are, are not able to call yet in Washington state, but it was not a good night for uh, Congressman Peter Meyer in Michigan. And there was some Democratic meddling in this race. There were a lot of questions about it. Democrats actually were helping to prop up John Gibbs, the Trump endorsed candidate there. Right. We've seen this in some of governor's races and other places, but yeah. not in not in states where really the candidate, the election denier candidate could feasibly win. This has been in bluer states. They're trying to you know take off the table. Yep. Um, and here, though, you have Gibbs, who is an election denier, worked in the Trump administration, um, Meyer, someone that you had a lot of Democrats being very upset that the DCCC came in and spent here. But did they make the general easier for Democrats? Um, they did, but given, again, it's no sure thing. You may yeah, think I this know. guy's going to be easier to beat, but right. a lot of people thought that about Donald Trump in 2016 as well. So, <laughs> Well, they're setting I themselves think. up in a lot of cases, to your point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if this is the bad strategy, we're going to be hearing a lot about it. Jessica Taylor, thank you for coming in. It's great to talk <laughs> to you again. Senate Governor's Editor, The Cook Political Report with us on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington as we assemble the panel. The night after Eric won. <laughs> You know, Eric Schmidt. Yes, Eric Schmidt won. Uh, Not a good night for Eric Greitens. In fact, it was fairly decisive here. This, of course, uh, the uh, Republican primary for Senate in Missouri. We had a little bit of fun with this last night because, if you might remember, Donald Trump endorsed simply Eric without a last name, knowing two Erics were running. Jeannie Shanzano is with us, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst. And I know that you had some fun last evening with this one. Chapin Fay is with us uh, as well. Republican strategist, former press secretary for the governor of New York, George Pataki. Chapin, great to have you back. Jeannie, what do you think of what we learned last evening here? Uh, it's a little bit difficult to, uh, to draw trend lines from last night. But why don't we start with Kansas? Because that could have ripple effects on the primary trail uh, for the next couple of months here. Does it tell us anything about primary elections in November? 
Well, it's given Democrats a lot of wind in their sails. Um, you know, there was talk that this may not go the way of the pro-life movement. But I think, you know, turnout alone up at about just over about 900,000 equivalent with the 2018 general election, an August primary. And let's not forget the cynical reason the legislature put this on primary day was because there's not a lot of Democrats and not a lot of Democratic primaries in red Kansas. So they put it there expecting the Republicans pro-life would get out. And these numbers are astounding. So there's both the turnout and there's the the big win. And, you know, you look at some of these counties and you're looking at, you know, in counties that are rural, you're looking at 40 percent saying they don't want to give the government this power to change the their Mm -hmm. ability to make reproductive health decisions. So it's a big win for Democrats in that respect. The question is, does it translate to November? And that's a huge another issue. And I'm not sure it does. But listen, things are so bad for Democrats right now. This is a very good sign. This and Donald Trump may be just what they need to turn the corner. So did this Chapin Faye temper your expectations for Republicans in November? Or is this a one-off? I mean, I think, um, you know, like your previous guest said, we need a little bit more data on it. But I do think this is a, you know, huge red flag alarm bell should be going off. Um, You know, as you mentioned, turnout and the stunning win uh, in a state like Kansas, um, you know, you're you're seeing uh, the generic ballot nationally tighten up a little bit more, I think, uh, over recent weeks and months. And I think the Roe v. Wade decision had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is shaping up to be much closer than people think. I still think Republicans will probably you know, take back the House because the margin is so small. But I, I don't think there's going to be I think there's going to be tidal waves in certain states, in certain areas. Hmm. Um, but I think this is this is going to temper that a little bit to the extent that abortion is being litigated on Election Day. That is that is generally not good for Republicans. Well, this uh, is, and, uh... and now we're. This is a major Sorry, indicator in, in that front here because a lot of folks have been questioning whether this would, in fact, mobilize voters. And here we saw twice the turnout, almost twice the turnout of uh, the primary in 2018 in Kansas. As you look at some of the other primary elections, I don't know if we learned a lot. There certainly weren't too many surprises, Jeannie. One uh, impeacher, so, so-called, so uh, was fired. Two more we have to find out. We knew Trump was going to play well in Arizona. That includes down ballot. Mark Fincham won the primary for Secretary of State. He's going to be running the elections in Arizona as an election denier. And they they sent uh, Rusty Bowers to the shower. Uh, Jeannie, how important is that Mark Fincham race? I feel like that's one people should be talking a lot more about. You know, it is. And, and, you know, I just kept thinking last night, what a division between a place like Arizona on the GOP side, where, as you mentioned, election deniers, and certainly you have the AG race, the Secretary of State race, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, the governor's race, the Senate on the GOP side, versus a place like Georgia, where where people making that case were turned away. So there is a big division there. And so, you know, I think we're going to have to look state by state at this. You know, one takeaway from last night is that Donald Trump does retain enormous sway over the GOP base. And so when you're talking about primaries like this, he really does have a still enormous, not, you know, it, power. It doesn't mean he's, you know, all knowing and all forceful, but he does have a lot of sway. But that said, 
what Democrats are hoping, of course, is that if you get candidates who are too extreme and still focused on 2020 as opposed to 2022 and looking forward, Mm -hmm. that may work to their advantage. And, you know, as Jessica just said, somebody like Mark Kelly is feeling pretty good that they can maybe retain this Senate seat going up after Blake Masters. So this is a good day for Democrats, hence the DCCC funding these, you know, extremist candidates, which I'm not a fan of. Well, God knows uh, Donald Trump had a good night in Missouri, uh, Chapin. Uh, I guess he, he would have either way. <laughs> Eric won. We need America yep. first fighters yeah. who will advance the America first agenda. Yeah. Secure the border and finish President is. Trump's wall. Yeah. There it is. Eric Schmidt, not Greitens, uh, wins this one. Peculiar. It's a Republican Senate primary, of course. It's important. That's the Attorney General. Eric Schmidt also an election denier. But what did you make of that whole not endorsement, Chapin? Was, was Donald Trump just joking around? You know, it's 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 very hard to tell sometimes what uh, President Trump is doing or thinking um, in his uh, actions and tweets. Um, I think it was probably a big hedge. Um, <laughs> one thing we know about Trump is he likes to side with winners, right? Yeah. I mean, most, most endorsers um, on the cynical side of politics want to endorse the winner. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and it's less about principle than it is about, uh, you know, pick a winner. So I think that's probably what he was doing. Um, so it's a hedge with but, a smirk, although I hear that Republicans were relieved that it was not Eric Reitens. Would you agree with that? I think so. I mean, you know, uh, the, the former president still has a lot of sway, as we saw last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his endorsement is meaningful. So to the extent I, I do think they were relieved uh, because if he had been more specific and gone with the other guy, it could have been <laughs> it could have been a different outcome. Greitens, of course, the man with the rhino hunting license. I guess that won't be available in Missouri now. A great panel. Of course, they'll be back. Jeannie Shanzano and Chapin Fay with us as we turn back to breaking news on Capitol Hill on reconciliation. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 11.30, to Boston, Bloomberg 106.1, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthews. 
Democrats in the Senate thought they were days away from a vote on the climate and tax bill worked out between Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer. Even the CBO confirmed the deficit numbers in the bill. But Kirsten Sinema, well, that all may be changing. We'll talk about it next with Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick live from Capitol Hill. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was sounding pretty confident on the Senate floor this morning over progress on the Democrats' climate and tax bill, the one they call the Inflation Reduction Act. We will protect health care. We will lower the price of prescription drugs and make energy cheaper while making the largest investment in clean energy ever. These are things that Americans support. These are things that our country needs. And these are things that we're going to get done when we pass the Inflation Reduction Act in the coming days. In the coming days. Generating headlines, but maybe not. As Bloomberg now reports that Kirsten Cinema uh, is looking to make some changes here, as we discussed earlier with Eric Wasson, the carried interest component here and the corporate tax, the, the very issues that people were concerned about and thought, well, geez, maybe, maybe Joe Manchin kind of knew what she was thinking. He suggested as much on Sunday, remember? Played that for you a little while ago, ABC This Week. Didn't you talk to Kirsten Cinema, Senator? She has an awful lot in this piece of legislation, the way it's been designed, as far as the reduction of Medicare, letting Medicare go ahead and negotiate for lower drug prices. Uh-huh. She's very involved in that. What about the rest? The 15% minimum tax, corporate minimum tax. What about ending carried interest? Because apparently she's not on board with either of them. We thought we'd be having a different conversation today with Jack Fitzpatrick, but this just broke a short time ago. He's with us, of course, Bloomberg Government Congress reporter. Uh, How concerned is the leadership about this development, Jack? Did the whole timeline just change? I don't know if the whole timeline has changed yet. Uh, We knew that Senator Sinema would be the person to watch here, and we really knew about the issue of the carried interest uh, loophole. Now, the fact that she also wants a change to that 15 percent corporate uh, minimum tax, mm-hmm. that's interesting. It, it, apparently, she is pushing to narrow that it, the, the circumstances in which it would apply. It's not necessarily that she's trying to throw it out entirely. It very well may, may be the case that if she gets what she wants, it wouldn't make a huge difference in terms of the tax revenue that this would bring in and therefore wouldn't make a big difference in the deficit reduction uh, outcome and all of that. The carried interest measure is only $14 billion of revenue uh, in a bill that would raise more than $700 billion. So, look, they need her vote. If they don't get her vote, this thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's possible, though, that what she's asking for would not fundamentally change the bill. Uh, and they knew that this would not be an easy uh, easy task. They've got to get everybody on board, and there are bound to be some last-minute negotiations. Sure. Uh, they do seem to think that, you know, work over the weekend, maybe early next week, this is something that they can still get done. Joe Manchin's refrain on, on the, all the Sunday morning shows, and he did them all, was we have there are no tax hikes here only closing closing tax loopholes. I'm assuming that she is not seeing it that way. So you eliminate the carried interest in, in this case, make Wall Street happy. The corporate minimum tax, though, wouldn't that involve like a major rewrite of this plan? Uh, that depends. You know, the conversation that had been happening going into this was how many corporations and which corporations does this apply to? Uh, we, you know, it's it's not like Senator Cinema has a a new draft that we can compare and contrast. But for right. example, uh, Senator Manchin was saying 
that 15% minimum should apply to uh, corporations with a billion or more in annual revenue. So if, if she wants to poke a hole in that and say, well, there could be carve-outs for certain other kinds of corporations or uh, raise the threshold, that may not need to be a massive rewrite if it's generally around the idea, the same idea of a 15% minimum, and there's a, you know, a debate over exactly who it, who it uh, applies to. She's not even the only one who may want some changes. You know, for example, um, Senator Debbie Stabenow from Michigan yeah. wants some changes on the tax credits for electric vehicles. There's, there's always going to be in a big bill like this there, until the very last moment there's going to be a conversation about, well, what can we tweak? Can we do right. this for my constituents? Uh, it, it's not easy to pass it, but it doesn't necessarily mean a fundamental rewrite or something deeply complex that would take a huge amount of time to do. Okay, this is uh, interesting. We're still planning for a working weekend, right? There, there could be Votorama this weekend. What's your expectation the next couple of days? Assuming they're talking with Kirsten Cinema, we've got sources talking to Bloomberg. I mean, can we assume there's a conversation going on here behind the scenes? Uh, yes, we can assume there's some level of communication, especially now that we see Laura Davison and Eric Wasson's uh, report from earlier today that Cinema's putting out, you know, what her concerns are and that it's at least known to people. Uh, generally, talking to senators, we're not sure exactly what time and day the rest of this is going to take place. But, yeah, the, the, con- the uh, context is uh, essentially trying to finish this, if not over the weekend, then early next week. Uh, I, I don't think anybody expects to be here in the middle of or late next week. Obviously, again, there there are challenges, there are hurdles they have to overcome, mm-hmm. but they're still basically on a, a near-term timeline of trying to get this bill through the Senate uh, over the next uh, you know week or less. Jack Fitzpatrick, appreciate it, Jack. It's great to talk with you. Bloomberg Government Congress reporter, uh, still at it, working the halls of power on Capitol Hill and with us here on the fastest hour in politics. Mitch McConnell uh, weighed in on the plan today. Of course, you know, as we talk about reconciliation, just to remind you, since this gets to be a little wonky, it's just like Build Back Better last year. It's only Democrats. That's why they have to have the parliamentarian scrub this thing and actually be a budget and revenue bill. And the parliamentarian is not done yet, could still take components out of this. As we've heard, there have been challenges to every component of this bill from Republicans. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on the floor this morning. This bill is a massive goodie bag of far-left environmental activists at the expense of working families. Democrats want to use their own inflation as a pretext to dump hundreds of billions of dollars into Green New Deal nonsense. This bill declares war on American energy independence, and affordability. We'll keep you posted on this and we'll reassemble the panel next on Sound On, brought to you by Commonwealth, supporting more than 2,000 independent financial advisors with the solutions they need to grow a thriving business. Commonwealth, go where you grow. Visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. We'll check traffic and markets on the way. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, 
from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Could Senator Kirsten Sinema sink the Inflation Reduction Act? She's certainly poised to make some changes, as Bloomberg is now reporting. But as we remember from Build Back Better, changes on the tax side can also mean big changes on the inside. Let's reassemble the panel for their take Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano is joined today by Chapin Fay, Republican strategist, and great to have you both back. Jeannie, is it about to happen again? I don't think we could take it, Joe Matthew, so I certainly hope not. But well, listen, you know, it was <laughs> Joe Manchin. It's not all about us, though. <laughs> well, that's true. Joe Manchin took the blame, really, or was given the blame for Build Back Better at the end of last year, but Kirsten Sinema was just as much a problem for it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's true, you know, and to Jack's point earlier, you know, this isn't surprising. Um, She has long had this, you know, view of the carried interest loophole. So that's not a surprise. Um, The 15% corporate tax, you know, the fact that she may want to make some changes in there, a little bit more surprising, I would say, but you know, not not unthinkable. Um, The problem I think for Democrats is the longer this goes, the more Republicans are able to pick it apart and that people come Mm -hmm. in and try to make changes. And that makes it harder. You know, do I think they'll still get it done? Yes, I do. But this has always been an incredibly, you know, you know, high tightrope act for for the Democrats to walk because they can't lose anyone at this point. Chapin, uh, there were a lot of questions about why Kirsten Sinema wasn't in the room. Why was this a Schumer mansion deal? Uh, I suppose we're still asking those questions. Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate uh concern complaint of hers and it's given her this opening um i think with sort of the wind at her back rather than the others so is this opportunity for republicans you heard uh, what mitch mcconnell had to say about it a far left goodie bag can republicans make changes in this sort of point of vulnerability or is that not the case for reconciliation well, I'm I'm not Senate parliamentarian, uh, thank gosh, and I don't envy the Senate parliamentarian these days. Um, but I I believe they're talking about a voterama, and under a reconciliation, I think they can offer certain amendments. Yeah, and, this weekend. You know, uh, Senator McConnell and Republicans in the past have been very good at that. And listen, it's less than 100 days to the midterm elections. So I think both parties are going to, um, you know, forget about doing good by the people for a second and try and, you know, quote unquote, win. Um, this battle, regardless of what that looks like. Uh, I do agree that I think it will get done, but I do think there is a ton of opportunity for Republicans uh, to pick apart each one mm-hmm. and use it to their advantage in the in the coming midterms. And Democrats could do the same thing, by the way. Jack Fitzpatrick seemed to think that this could still flow without a big rewrite, without another submission to the parliamentarian 
uh, here, Jeannie. But boy, the time is just not on Democrats' side. You've got an August recess. I suppose they can change that, reschedule it. We know it'll be a working weekend. But are we really doing this? We're going to come back in September and hash this out in the media with Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. This is this is like a bad dream for some Democrats. It is. You know, I think it becomes very, very difficult to do this after Labor Day. As Chapin just mentioned, you know, you are then dangerously close to the midterm. Um, you know, and, and you know, I was noting things like Bernie Sanders. Obviously, he's seldom happy with these things, but he has torn into Joe Manchin about what, what's not in this bill. Not a big surprise there. But they can't afford to lose anyone. And I thought one of the most fascinating reads on the terminal was Stephen Dennis and Jenny Leonard's piece about how the lobbying effort, not a surprise, but the details of the lobbying effort that mm-hmm. is going in Kristen Cinema's ear is utterly astounding when you look at it. Everyone from the CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce yeah. to Republicans. I mean, that was a fascinating read to see the amount of pressure she's being put under, not only by Democrats, but Republicans and people in her state and across the country who know she holds this in her hand. So she's been very tight lipped, obviously, but we see her and we hear about her getting a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of information from people who have di- very different views. Well, just when you think again that nothing gets done in Washington and that we're bogged down, and of course we are bogged down on well most things. Something did pass the Senate today. On this vote, the yeas are eighty-six, the nays are eleven. Under the previous order requiring sixty votes for the adoption of this motion to concur. The motion is agreed to. Thank you, Senator Hassan. That's the vote on the PACT Act. We spent time on this uh, last week uh, and even early this week. This was the burn pits bill. This was the bill to provide health care, enhanced health care benefits to military veterans who were impacted, made sick by toxic burn pits uh, in in the field and in many cases in combat, although in some here on bases in the U.S. Chapin Fay, Republicans took big heat for voting against this last week in an apparent reversal to protest the Manchin-Schumer deal. A lot of them came back to make this happen. Was, was this an egg-on-face moment for the GOP? Um, I, I mean, I think it'll play that way. Right. Regardless of what the what the reasoning is behind uh, bills and votes, you know, there's not a lot of uh, room for nuance in today's 24 seven Twitter uh, media environment. Um, So regardless of what the arguments for Republicans voting against it and then coming back, uh, it's going to look like they have egg on their face. I mean, it's a bill that 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 I think everyone agrees should have been passed. Um, So if Republicans want to, you know, take a take a vote for some sort of principle, that's fine. Um, But it is going to look a little a little silly now that uh, some of them came back and most of them came back to to vote for it. It's a win for Democrats, for for Joe Biden, Jeannie. uh, He's already scheduled a signing ceremony for next week, which which Jeannie should tell you something, you know, in the midst of this reconciliation debate, you get something like this. You don't sign it unless there's a ceremony planned so you can take credit for it. That's right. And and we shouldn't forget, you know, a very emotional issue for Joe Biden. He attributes the brain cancer and the death You're of right. his son, Beau, to exposure to burn pits like this. So very emotional for him. And of course, the bill named after Sergeant Robinson, 39 year old, died of lung cancer. His yeah. mother-in-law spent so much time pushing for this. And so moving were her remarks about the fact this doesn't benefit her family at all. But hopefully it is in tribute to her son-in-law. So it's going to be a 
very moving uh, signing ceremony. It's, you know, I, I think it's a, a win for veterans and a win for everybody who serves in the mer- in, in, in the military. It's hard to see this as just a win for Democrats. And, and, and I hope that it's not sold that way because this is a critically important bill. Another important vote happening today in the Senate uh, is that to approve the Sweden-Finland entrance to NATO. This is something that has to be cleared by legislatures in all of the countries involved. And boy, to listen to Mitch McConnell today, essentially daring his Republican members to vote against it. Their accession will make NATO stronger and America more secure. If any senator is looking for a defensible excuse to vote no, I wish him good luck. I believe Josh Hawley uh, was one of them, uh, Chapin. This isn't something Republicans want to stand against, correct? I don't think so. Um, you know, expansion of NATO um, is, is important, and um, a strong NATO is important for our national defense and the defense of our allies. And, yeah. you know, Nancy Pelosi is over, you know, making a point in Taiwan. Um, I think it's important that this, you know, I, I don't think Republicans, I don't think very many Republicans are going to vote against it in the end, especially since the leader, you know, uh, uh, Senator McConnell, yeah. you know, isn't really in the habit of letting Republicans uh, go um, off the reservation, right. um, you know, unless they have good reasons. So I, I think it'll, I, I think most Republicans will be there on this. So we can cross this one off the list too then, Jeannie. I think so. We this think, was the I, shopping list, you know, to end the, the summer with. This was another component. Yeah, this is, and, and you know, it looks like, what, 90 plus or minus votes this will pass. You yeah. know, we should say, I mean, Hawley's opposition is rooted in sort of a Trumpian view of not expanding that's NATO. Right. But, of course, that's all changed in the wake of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. So, you know, I, it's Mitch McConnell is probably saying, guys, don't do what you did on the PACT uh-huh. Act, even though we should say uh, Toomey's vote there was probably principled, but many of the others were not. Jeannie, thank you. Chapin Fay. Uh, As always, great panel. Jeannie Shanzane will be back with us tomorrow. And Chapin, it's great to talk with you, Republican strategist here on Bloomberg Sound On. Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you what, the the debate, if we can call it that, leading up to, uh, you know, this vote on Sweden and Finland, remarkable. Uh, Senator Tom Carper, Delaware, uh, spent quite a bit of time uh, talking about this. On the floor, if you think that, you know, Washington is is all (laughs) serious, wonky policy, get a dose of Tom Carper making the case for Sweden. I had the privilege of sitting next to the queen during um, uh, dinner. And uh, I said to the queen, uh, Sylvia, I said, is there a connection between ABBA and you and your husband? Is there? Yeah, he said She said, well, there is. I said, well, what is it? And she said, the night before uh, we we were married. Uh, in uh, Sweden, she said there there was a huge uh, celebration and a concert, outdoor concert with tens of thousands of people. Okay. And she said the headlining group for the concert was Ava. I said, no kidding. Yeah. And uh, this I is said, on the Did Senate they sing? floor. Okay. And she said that was the night they debuted the song Dancing Queen. Wow. How about that for a Maybe tale? one of the best pop songs I've ever heard. And I won't say that we sat there and hummed a few bars, but maybe we did. We had a lot in common with uh, the Swedes and the Finns. We share uh, very, very much appreciation, if you will, of the, the arts, including uh, music. Yes. It's about our shared interest in the arts and especially music. And by that, I mean ABBA. 
that Sweden will at last see its way into NATO, at least according to the U.S. Senate. Apologies for the earworm and thanks to everyone for jumping in. Eric Wasson with breaking news. Jessica Taylor after our primaries, our panel, Jeannie and Chapin, and of course, Jack Fitzpatrick. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.